Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. Hey friends, how's it going? This is Greg at the Waystations Ministries podcast and it's great to be with you once again. And here we are in July, believe it or not, in the middle of summer, uh, after a year and a half of difficulty with the COVID virus, and things are opening up, and people are going out and doing things, travel's increasing, prices for everything is going up, so you'd think the indicators are that everything is great. But that's not what I seem to hear and see in an awful lot of conversations, and what I see in people and the way they're treating one another. Uh, the way this pall of anxiety, I call it, is still hanging over people. They're trying to do new things. They're trying to go out and have fun like they used to. They're going back to the clubs, going back out for dinner. They're going to concerts and baseball games and trying to do everything they can. And yet, it doesn't seem to provide the same kind of joy or relaxation that it once did. It doesn't seem to have that kind of uh, oh relaxation that they have. I just came from a vacation myself. And you notice that people, while they're out and the things that they enjoy doing, still seem to have this uh, gloom. It's not too much, but it's enough to affect the way they see the world, the way they feel. And I think that that's still affecting all of us. In fact, I think that the coronavirus has made an irreparable change in the way we see life and the way we deal with things. And I think the, the consequences of that are going to be lasting. Now, the interesting thing is that faith can make a huge difference in our lives. A lot of times when there's nothing wrong and everything seems to be going smoothly, you can take your life for granted. You can take everything for granted. And the problem with that is that when things go bad or when they go wrong, then you kind of get lost. You don't really have a sense of what you can do about it. Some things are outside of our control, and yet we still have to live our own lives. We still have to relate to people. We still have to deal with our own feelings and emotions and thoughts. And it would be nice, wouldn't it, if we could manage ourselves through everything that came with a consistency so we had a sense of well-being that wasn't defined by the outside circumstances? I think that's what faith can help us to do. I think that's what religion's about. I don't think it's about all the religious practices. I think those all point the way. But I think what uh, faith is really about is learning how to find a pathway through everything that's consistent and solid and has benefit for how we live, how we feel, how we see, how we think, how we perceive, all those kinds of things that radically affect our spiritual inner being. What I find is a lot of people are responding to their emotions or to their thoughts or to their desires or their imaginations. And while all of those things are nice and they kind of point the direction a little bit, the problem is that none of them last. You may have a desire. uh, What you find out when you get your desire fulfilled is it doesn't really meet the expectations that you thought it was going to bring. If you follow your thoughts, well, your mind can change all the time. There's all kinds of new information that comes that uh, you didn't know before you made your decision or took your stance. And so we're constantly adjusting and adapting to changes in information, changes in knowledge, changes in wisdom, changes in experience. So you can't rely on your thinking to do it. You can't rely on your emotions to do it because they rise and fall like the wind. And so that's not the most effective way to live our lives or certainly not a guide to follow. And that's why I think the anxiety persists. 
we don't have a path through the difficulty or, or a way of compensating or, or uh, contending with this anxiety. We'd like to be free of it, but we really don't know how. Now, the, the funny thing is that when you're suffering, no matter how long or short or how intense or how weak, when you're in the middle of it, it seems like it lasts forever. It seems like time goes terribly slow. And when you're suffering physically, emotionally, or spiritually, there's a journey that our minds go through, I think, throughout the whole course of it. Sometimes it lasts a day. Sometimes it's only a couple of hours. Sometimes it can last weeks or months. And some people I know, it even lasts years. And I'll give you an example. There was a woman I knew. This is uh, many years ago now. Uh, but I was, uh, oh, I don't know, early in my ministry. And this woman had suffered the loss of her husband. He had died. And she had turned her house into a mausoleum almost. It was all the dark uh, draperies closed. The curtains were all pulled. It was always dark inside. Uh, when you went to visit, it was like entering into uh, a windowless space. And it just was not healthy for her. And she was sad all the time. And she almost felt noble in being sad because she'd lost her husband. And so she had ceased living at some point and was just existing for a long time. Now, as I would visit over the course of weeks and months and years, uh, what happened is it slowly started to change because the focus became more and more positive. I r clearly remember when, she, when I went to visit, she had actually opened the drapes and let the sunshine into the living room. And that was a huge difference for her and her for her house. And then a little bit later, I would go to visit, and she had actually dressed for the visit. She had dressed nice in order to welcome her pastor to come and see her. And then uh, things were changed. It, the house was no longer a shrine to the deceased. It became a livable space. And sure enough, by the end of the ministry that I had in that particular location, she had actually found a new boyfriend. And there was a joy in her spirit and a strength in her will that she had not had for a long, long time. And it was really wonderful to see the joy that had come to her life. But it took a long time, and it took a lot of focus on the theme of what uh, this podcast is about. So I'd like to ask us a little bit about what it is that we experience. There are times that we feel let down. There's times that we get frustrated. Maybe that's an issue of perspective. Not really sure. But here's an idea. The story is told about a man who once had the chance to talk to God. And he took his full advantage of the opportunity and asked some of the big questions of his life. And one of those was this. He says to God, hey, is it true that a thousand years to you are like one day? And God says, yeah, sure. He says, would that be like a million dollars is like nothing more than pennies to you? And God says, yes. Well, the man thinks for a second. He says, hey, can I borrow 10 bucks? And God says, sure, see me tomorrow. <laughs> now, it's an issue of perspective, isn't it? If God is good for us, are we going to value our opinion more than God's? When we feel bad or when we're caught up in our anxiety or we're angry about issues or when we're full of debate, sometimes we allow our opinion to be greater than God's to us. We think we're right and that's all that matters. The problem is that we feel awfully miserable about that. 
And our unhappiness is something that we claim almost with pride. And we're not willing to let go of it because it means so much to us. Unfortunately, it's not providing a whole lot of benefit. So what's the journey that we go through? Well, the first thing I think that happens for people is that we ask why. That's the big human question. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? I think the reason for that is because we have come into a a rationalistic society. Reason means everything. The problem with that is we think that if we could understand why, we would feel better. If God gave us the answer or somebody else was able to answer our why question, then we'd feel better, everything would be fine. It's not true. That's a lie. It's not true at all because there's a big distance between your head and your heart. And when you're feeling grief or when you're feeling fear or anxiety or when you're upset or angry, there's a big distance between what you're trying to think in your head and how you're feeling in your heart. There's a huge gap there. And to think that one, by it being okay, is going to fix the other, it doesn't happen like that. The next thing that we try to do is we try to blame. If I could blame somebody for this, if I could say who's at fault, if I could point my finger at someone else, or even if I blame it at myself, that somehow it'll make sense to me and I'll be okay. That doesn't work either. Blame just perpetuates anger and bitterness and resentment or guilt and shame and self-loathing and self-abuse. That just doesn't work. The next thing we try to do is we try to reason it out. We try to say, okay, if only I had done this, or if only I had done something differently, or only if I had gone a different way or taken a different choice, and we think that that's going to make it better. And it doesn't, because you can't go back to what was, and just knowing what you could have done back then doesn't make you feel any better, and it doesn't help for their circumstances have changed since then. And this is one of the things I try to point out to people, because sometimes they regret decisions that they made. And I ask him, at the time, did you give it your best effort? When you had to make the initial decision, did you think it through? Did you struggle with it? Did you try to come to the best conclusion you could? And I ask that question because I presume they do. I I don't think any decision, especially the difficult ones, are just made on impulse and we hope for the best. I think most people try to sort it out. They try to figure out, is it good? Is it bad? What's the best choice? What's the best result? How do I show the best care? So it is that when you make your decision and later you get additional information that suggests maybe another choice would have been better, you put blame on yourself, you put guilt on yourself, and you think, oh, man, what's the matter with me? Well, there's nothing the matter with you, nothing at all. At the time, you did not have the additional information you got since then. At the time, you sorted it out as best you could, you did the best you could, And that's the result that came out of it. Okay, so now we learn some additional information. Okay, that is a gift that enables us to change our course. Now that I know a little bit more, maybe I'll make a different choice. This is the idea of learning. (laughs) When you're growing up, there's a whole lot we don't know. But as we go, we start to learn. Some of our mistakes, some of our problems that we have to resolve we don't see at the time contributing so much good for how we're going to face problems down the road. We don't realize how they prepare us, how they strengthen us, how they encourage us, how they show us how to value. Sometimes we think that each problem we face is the hardest one we've ever faced. And that's really true. You know why? Because once you've faced one that was the worst one ever, you're not going to have that one as a problem again. You'll, If anything similar comes up to it, you'll know how to face it. 
So it's not a big deal anymore. The next one that comes as a shot in the dark that you didn't know was coming, well, sure, that's going to be difficult, and you're going to have to learn your way through that one. And all of them together build and strengthen and wisen and deepen and give wisdom to all of us. So maybe we're looking at it the wrong way. Let's try to look at the scripture a little bit to help this out. What I'd like to do is go to a famous, famous person. His name was Isaiah. He's one of the most famous prophets in the Bible. And there's a certain passage of scripture that is commonly used, actually. It's used a lot in in certain places. And it's a word about God and how God works and how God feels. And maybe it'll be a help. So it comes from the chapter, uh, 40th chapter of his book in the Old Testament of the Bible, the yearly part. And the first thing it says is that God knows and God cares about what's going on in our lives. And this is a radical thought. If you think about a God who created the entire universe, why should he know or care at all about what happens on a tiny little speck on a tiny little galaxy out of this massive universe? Well, the good news of that is that we have come to know that each of us does matter. Through the the gospel and through the Old Testament scriptures, we find that God really does know, understand, and care about everyone and about everything. And that's the nature of what it would be to be God. So what does he say? In verse 1, this is the word, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Now it seems to me that that first word is, Man, God knows what we're going through. God cares about what we're going through, and God doesn't want us to be going through the misery and the suffering that we seem to be going through. The third verse says, A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It says, Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Man, that's good news. I love the idea. Now, on the one hand, I have to make room and make way for God to have access to me. I've got to at least give God the benefit of the doubt that maybe God does know, maybe God does care. And if so, I want to make the way smooth for God to reach me. If, if I'm not sure, then I don't want myself to be in the way. So let me open up and smooth it out and, and open my heart and open my mind and give God at least the benefit of the doubt or a chance to reach me. Too often we close our minds, make judgments about things, and so there's no room for anybody to make any difference. There's no room to offer any advice. There's no room to offer any comfort or encouragement because we've made up our minds. <laughs> well, if we made up our minds to be miserable, then don't expect to feel better. So it is that uh, this promise, this vision about every mountain that's in our way gets removed and every valley that's so deep in front of us gets filled in and the rough places are made smooth. Well, that's something I want in my life. That's something I would love to have. Wouldn't you? Well, what's it say? Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. (laughs) Well, that's where a lot of people have problems with the scripture. It's been thousands of years since that word was preached. That word is a word of hope by a prophet to a people who are suffering. And it's an eternal word because there's always people who are suffering. And it's a word to give hope to us that we will make it through, that things will get better. 
But it's not an idea that this is not done until everybody sees it all at the same time. Everything has to be smooth for everybody in order for anybody to see it. Not so. I think what it means is along the way, there will be people who come to understand it and start to see how their way is being made straight, how their mountains are not as great as we thought they were, how the valleys are not as deep as we sometimes feel. It doesn't mean that everybody sees it. They don't all see it together. But if we can start to see it, then we can start making our way through it. And that's the point. <laughs> the, the prophet has a problem with that a little bit, as we do sometimes. The voice says in verse 6, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? The people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. You know what that means? It means we're fickle. We believe for a while, and if it doesn't work out, then we bail. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, and when the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely people are grass. In other words, what's the point? Why do I bother to offer this word of hope? Why do I offer the, the kindness or the grace of God? Why do I try to help people to be better, to feel better, to think better, and to treat each other better when you know they're not going to do that? They'll do it for a while maybe, but they'll always go back to their old habits. So why bother? That's the question that the prophet's asking. Now, most people don't read the scripture that way, so they don't see it. They don't realize what it's saying. The, verse, the next verse helps. This is verse 8. The grass withers. Yeah, sure. The flower fades. People die. That happens. People change their minds. People come and go. But the word of our God will stand forever. It's not about how many people are fickle. It's not about how constant they are or how faithful they are. It's not about how good they are or how bad they are. That's not what it's about. It's about the fact that this word of hope is always there, and it helps every generation. It helps people in every generation. It helps people in every culture. Anyone who wants to focus their attention on hope will not be looking so much at the valleys or the mountains or the rough places or the dark places or the stormy situations. They will be looking beyond that to something better, to something brighter, to something good. Have you not known, have you not known or, or heard, the prophet says, that the Lord the, is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth does not faint or grow weary. In other words, God does not give up. God does not end. God's understanding is unsearchable. Guess what? God doesn't care if we get it or not. <laughs> God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. In the middle of the storm, you might think, I don't like this rain, but the corn is saying yay. The watermelon is saying okay. I know about the corn and the watermelon because I spent some years on the eastern shore, and maybe you know that most of the watermelon for the, any summer season for the entire eastern seaboard comes from the Delmarva Peninsula. Maybe you've known uh, that corn is the other major crop on the eastern shore. Those two industries are huge, and field after field after field is filled with one crop or the other. Now, the interesting thing about that is that one crop thrives on rain. The more rain, the better. It just becomes more and more fruitful, and that is terrific. But at the same time, the other crop thrives when it's dry, when the sun is out, but there's not rain. Sometimes the rain causes rot, and so that's not good for the other crop. You know what that means? It means that in any given summer season, half of the population and half of the crops are going to be thriving and doing great, and the other half is not going to be doing quite so well. 
And the interesting thing about time is that one season is going to be rainy, another season is going to be dry, both are going to prosper and both are going to suffer. It's not about the suffering. It's not about the prospering. It is about the fact that God is always with us. Verse 29, God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youth will be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But, and here's the point of the podcast, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The idea is that I can make it through this crisis. My life is worth more than the hardships I face, the problems that I bear, the emotions that I feel, the struggles that I'm dealing with. I can live through this and I can overcome it and my life is worth more than whatever hardship or struggle, whatever difficulty or problem, whatever financial burden or whatever uh, relationship problem I have. None of that is worth more than the value of my life, the value of my heart, the value of my love and my future. And so what I'm trying to get you to see from the scripture from thousands of years ago and from the reality of our lives today, that if I focus on a positive direction and I see good beyond the bad, then I can learn how to contend with the bad because I'm not focused on it. I'm not limited by it. I find the way. In John 10, 10, the, Jesus says, um, nothing will be impossible for you. Now, if you take God and the Messiah at his word, it means that there is nothing that is too great for us. We can actually find our way over it, around it, under it, through it, break it up. We can find our way. If nothing is impossible, then my focus is going to be on the positive. We can make it. And that's what I'd like to encourage people to do. Believe that we can. This is actually a phrase on the back of uh, one of the ministries I'm involved with. Band Together Pittsburgh is a ministry uh, for people on the autism spectrum. It's, it's a ministry in music where we uh, share in music. We bless people with music, give music lessons, have open microphones, do an awful lot to help people on the autism spectrum. And uh, on the T-shirt on the back, the phrase is this, we can and we will. This is a phrase that's not just for them. I think it's true for all of us. If we would have a little bit of faith in our future, a little bit of faith in God, to be sure, looking for the good in our lives, looking for the blessing in our lives, looking for the signs of how that beautiful future is unfolding, and giving that more attention and more importance than the hardship that we're stumbling over, or the emotion that's brought us down, or the fear of what could be. Because the reality is, as you look towards the future, it could be negative, it could go badly, but it has just as much chance of being better. I would rather think better and strive toward that than think worse and do nothing, because I'm just going to wallow in the misery if I do that. <laughs> That's not where I want to be. I want to smile, I want to be happy, I want to laugh, I want to enjoy, and therefore I'm going to look for everything that can help to make that happen. And I encourage you to do the same. Because the happier we are, the less those problems interfere. And the less they interfere, the happier we all become. 
So I give it for you to think about. I offer it as a word of uh, guidance, a word of encouragement. You are worth more than you think, and the problems are worth less than you think. And if we live that way, we'll be okay. I'm sure of it. God promises it, and that's something to look forward to. Thanks for being with me this week. I hope it's a help to you, and I look forward to being with you again next time. Be well. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time, next week, when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.